Welcome to Living Bread Radio Presents, a program designed to teach and evangelize about the Catholic faith through various speakers and presentations given throughout the area. Today's show features Sister Ann Shields and her talk, Four Ways to Talk to God, recorded at the Gift of Faith Conference in June 2009. And now, Sister Ann Shields. St. Paul says um, in Romans Romans 5, I got a new Bible recently, and it's not broken in yet. Do you know what that's like? You know how old Bibles, you, you just flip it, it falls open, you know, certain pages, and you know right where it is, first column, second column. I, I don't. For while we were still weak, Romans 5, verse 6, Father said last night, Bibles, I'm glad to see more of you with Bibles. Never let it out of your hand. Romans 5, verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not when we had it all worked out. Not when everything was, you know, clean. But while we were in sin, Christ died for us. That's how much he loved us. That's how much he loves us. So sin is not a deterrent from our relation. Lack of repentance for sin is, but not sin. Don't let anything hold you back from your Savior from your shepherd. Oftentimes when we go through trouble and trial, and we're getting more and more of it in our country right now, but when we go through struggle and trial, our first thing is to think, God doesn't love me. We're like a child, you know, sometimes. God doesn't love me. God doesn't care about me. Look what he did for her. Look what he's given her. Not me. Not me. I'm the second-class citizen. I'm the third-class citizen. Let me tell you something. That is the lie of the enemy. And what Father Larry said last night is true. Tell him to go to hell. He is the one person, I said, I've said it over and over to people, he's the one person you can tell to go to hell. Anytime. Any thought going through your head that says, I'm worthless, I'm stupid, I've done too much that's wrong. God could never love me. Any of that is a lie. And I say it out loud sometimes. Go to hell. Get off my back. I'm going to trust in my Father. I'm going to trust in my Savior. I'm going to trust in my Redeemer. That he will forgive whatever I've done wrong. And... Sometimes trial and difficulty come upon us, and we think, I've been trying to do the right thing. This, this God business, it can't be true. I've been trying to do the right thing. I've been trying to do what's good, and look what happens. I lost my job, or I'm in difficulty in my marriage, or this isn't working, or that isn't working. There's no God. I've had people say that to me. There couldn't be a God that he allowed these things to happen to me. And when people say that to me, I go back to my father. When I was about 12, 
one Friday night, just the beginning of summer vacation. So I was allowed to stay up a little later. We lived on a four-lane highway. A lot of noise all the time, trucks going by. Suddenly I hear this, you know, the brakes and the crash and um, a dog had been hit. And um, I love dogs. I love animals. I love people too, but I do have, I love people very much, but I just have, I love dogs. And so I, I heard this dog crying. That's the only way I can describe it, crying over uh, across the street from us. And I went to Dad, and I said, Dad, Dad, I want to get that dog. And he said, Honey, you don't know who that dog is. You don't know how he's been hurt. He'll bite you. He doesn't know you, and he's hurt. He'll bite you. You can't, you can't do that. And I said, Dad, I, so I waited about 10 minutes, and I went back, and I said, Dad, I can't. I just, I have to go. All right, he said, get, get a blanket, and get, we'll go. So we go over, and he's huddled. It's like a size of a hunting dog, and he's huddled by the garage door across the street and really crying. And no bones were broken, but what happened was his hide had been ripped off from the tail right up to his neck. Like he was just a mass of raw flesh. And he was hurting. And um, I looked at this, you know, and Dad said, you want to take him? All right. He said, this is what you do. So he stood there, helped me cover him with a towel. The dog let me pick him up, carried him across the street, put him on the back porch, and Dad said, now you're going to have to stay up with him. I stayed up until 5 o'clock in the morning. Dad came down and took over. My mother wouldn't get me at the truck. <laughs> and uh, he came down and took over. And uh, the day went on. Dad kept telling me what to give him to drink, you know, and so on. And I'm just looking at this mess. And he said, now call the vet. Ask the vet what you should do. So I called him. Vet was our friend. And I called him and told him what happened. And he told me what to do. And things went OK for the first 24 hours. And then the dog developed maggots. I don't know if you've ever witnessed maggots on raw flesh, but it's really awful. It is repugnant. And I was 12 years old, you know. And I look at this mess, and my dad looks at me and says, call the vet. So I called the vet, and he said, honey, you need to go to the store and get this and pour this on it, and it will hurt. Um, but see what you can do. So I went to the store, and I got this stuff, and I poured it on, you know. This went on for days. Each day it was something. I had to learn how to get rid of the maggots, and I had to learn how to take his hide and pull it down over and then bandage him, and then the vet came and checked that out for me. Um, all the time, we didn't have any idea who this dog belonged to. you know. So I had five or six or seven days that were hard. Every night, my father would come in from work and say, all right, now tell me, how'd it go today? What'd you do? How'd you do it? What do you need? What can we do? And he walked me through it, but never took it away from me. The responsibility was mine. I grew up in certain ways. My father, my earthly father, 
asked me to do some things that for a 12-year-old were hard and repugnant. But I did them. And he was there. He was there to guide me. He was there to show me. My mother wanted him to just take the dog and take care of it. But he walked me through it. And therefore, brothers and sisters, never, never do I think that because God asked me to walk through something that's difficult, repugnant, hard, painful, that he's abandoned me. He's right there. I'm growing up. I'm learning as I walk through trial, as I walk through suffering, as I walk through difficulty. My father is there. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Any good earthly father is is a reflection of the heavenly father. We here in this country especially think that God loves us and cares for us as long as everything goes all right. But when trial and difficulty come, we tend to think God ignored me, God doesn't care, God's abandoned me. He hasn't. He's allowing us to go through trial to raise us up, to strengthen us, to give us a new level of confidence and courage and maturity so that we in turn can help others. I know one deacon who told me, this is about a year ago in Michigan, Michigan's experiencing a lot with the downturn in the economy. It's terrible. And this deacon did not have enough money. He had a wife and four children. And he was praying and praying and asking God to help him. And so he was giving a talk in this church one night, and he put out an envelope, and he said, if anyone could make a a donation for my stipend, I don't charge anything, but make a donation, please do. So at the end of it, one of the men had taken the envelope, counted the money, and then he brought it to the deacon, and he said, here it is. And the deacon said to this man, don't tell me what was in it. Don't tell me how much was in it. And so he took the envelope home, and he put it on the mantle, and he said, Father, I trust in you. Help me. This is just a year and a half ago. Help me. For the next four months, he and his wife took from that envelope all they needed for food, clothing, shelter for the six of them, rent, bills, everything. They would just reach in and take the money they needed. When he got the job, he counted the money in there, and there were just a few dollars left. And he said, well, I guess God came through right on time. So he went to the man who had counted the money, and he said, now tell me, how much was in there? He said, $130. Sometimes God does miracles like that. But you notice, even working that miracle, he did not take that man out of the suffering and the tension and the problem, but he provided. That man had faith not to count the money. And God rewarded the faith. God is your father. God is your savior. He's your shepherd. He will guide you into living water. He will guide you beside the streams. 
of living water. He will care for you. One time I was in England, and um, there was a storm came up suddenly, and I pulled off to the side of the road, just pulled over to the side. And, you know, you're driving on the opposite side of the road, you know, so I was kind of sick to my stomach, you know, because you always want to move the car over here, and you've got to move it over here. And I pulled off the side of the road, and I, was, I opened the window about that much. I was just trying to get some air. And I was sitting there, and I looked over, and literally right where I had pulled off was this huge rock in this field, a very large rock, way, you know, maybe eight feet high. I mean, it was, it was a big rock. And then I heard this funny sound, like somebody calling, but it was funny. And then I, I heard all these bells ringing, and I looked, and here was the shepherd. I mean, it looked like something right out of scripture. You know, he had a big cloak on and he had a crook in his hand and he was calling the sheep. The storm was getting worse and they were all coming and they were huddling with him on this side of the rock out of the wind. And he just stood there. And I was looking out this window and I thought, why am I seeing this? And then I, then it's just as clear to me as it could be, the Lord saying, I am your shepherd. Listen to my voice. Listen. When I call, I will protect you. He couldn't take them out of the storm, but he gave them refuge in the storm. So God wants to do for you. He's your father. He's your savior. He's your shepherd. And it was not enough for God to do all that for us. He gave us of his spirit. If I do not go, the comforter, the advocate, will not come. I will not leave you orphans. He gave us of his spirit, his, the family spirit, I sometimes call it. You know how sometimes you can identify families uh, they, they just have a certain characteristic about them. You know, oh, that's that family, that's that family. I remember one night getting pulled off <clears throat> on the side of the road. My sister was driving. I want to clarify that, that it was not I who did this. <laughs> My sister was driving, and it was about 10 o'clock at night, and we were in our hometown, which was a little town, and she hadn't turned her headlights on. And the cop pulls us over. And he walks up to the car and he says, driver's license. And it suddenly dawned on her what had happened. We knew the town so well. You know, you just weren't, didn't need lights. So anyway, but that, no excuse. So uh, he leans in and he takes her license and he says, Shields, are you John Shields' daughters? Yes. <laughs> Would your dad be happy with this? <laughs> no. <laughs> Here we were, adults, you know. But he knew the family. He knew our family. He knew what my father would have expected of his daughters driving a car. So we went home to tell Dad, even though we were both much older. We went home to tell Dad before the state cop stopped him the next day, which he did. Which he did. But... You know, so often you hear, oh, well, you're a shields, and shields act like this, or you're this, and they act like this. There's a family spirit. 
Well, in the family of God, we have the Holy Spirit. And it is he who teaches us. When you're in doubt, when you're fearful, when you're angry, when you're despairing, or even discouraged, come, Holy Spirit, teach me. Lead me into the whole truth. Show me the truth of this situation. Show me who you are in this situation. Show me who I am. And then equip me. Help me. Give to me. I remember um, many years ago, again, um, God's done a lot of things in my life, but these were the kind of the foundational ones many years ago. I was, um, I was a part of a religious community, not the one that I'm currently part of. That's a long story, and I won't go there. But I was part of a religious community, and it was right after Vatican II, and there was an awful, awful lot of turmoil and confusion, and it affected religious life a lot. And I was very, I had taken final vows, um, and suddenly all the vows seemed to be in question, and even who God was seemed to be in question. Many of you are nodding your heads. You know the, the time. And it, it affected religious life a lot. And I uh, won't bore you with all the details, but at one point in my life, I just, I cried out to God because I even wondered if God existed. I had reached that point. Everything seemed to be being thrown to the four winds, and I, I began to wonder, did God exist? And here I was, a religious. Here I was with final vows. And the whole reason I was giving my life was this God that I now wondered if he existed. Had everything been built on a lie? Where was God? And I remember after three years of wrestling with this. So notice, God doesn't intervene right away, necessarily, because he wants us to walk through it. Any wisdom that I have now came from walking through that time, as hard as it was. And three years after crying out to God, I was standing by the window in the convent that I lived in, and I was leaning up against the window. I was in full habit. I was leaning up against the window, and I thought, I feel like a hypocrite. And I said, God, if you exist... Please do something. Please do something. I don't know if you've ever prayed that way, but you know you're pretty desperate. If, if you exist, please help me. And I remember turning around from the window because I didn't expect any answer. And I turned around from the window, and I took two steps, and it was literally like I walked into something. And I stepped back, and I couldn't see anything, and I thought, this is it. I'm really losing it, you know. And I walked forward again, and the same thing happened. And it was like I couldn't see anything, but it was like there was something there. And then it dawned on me, it just felt like a man's chest. And I, I know I was standing there, thank God nobody could see me, but I was standing there like this. And as clear, this was the one time, and the only time, but as clear as I can hear my voice now, I heard these words, don't you know 
I've been with you all the time. And my first response, if you know my personality, my first response was no. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know. I wouldn't be so desperate if I... <laughs> I didn't. But in that moment, I knew. And while nothing changed externally, I knew I was not alone. And that made all the difference. God existed. God was real. God cared enough to say something to me I could endure. And three years later, after that, three more years, I went to a prayer meeting that they were hosting at the seminary in Loretto, Pennsylvania. Father Mike Scanlon was the rector there, and he was leading the prayer meeting. None of us knew anything about anything. But I went to this prayer meeting. Long story. Long story. But I came home after one of those prayer meetings, and I said, Lord, if you're that real, help me. Show me. If you're that real, I want a relationship with you. I knew God existed now. I knew it. But the relationship, what was it that God had? Who was he for me? And I remember kneeling in the chapel and just saying, Lord, if you hear my prayer, please do something. And none of us knows why, what God's timing, it's a mystery. But I walked out of the chapel, didn't happen in the chapel, walked out of the chapel, walked up the steps, and if I could go back to that convent today, I could tell you the exact step that I was standing on when I literally had the experience of somebody taking what felt like a pitcher of water, but it was a pitcher of joy, and it just went from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. And I knew that I was not alone. But in that moment, I knew that the Holy Spirit was alive in me. I really was a temple of the Holy Spirit. I knew it. Not that I'm not a sinner. I am. If I could go to confession every day, it would not be too much. I know, but I knew that God loved me and gave himself for me. And in the 36 years since that experience, while life has had its high points and its very low points, it's had its trials and difficulties, it's had its joys, but never has that sense of the presence of the Holy Spirit in joy within me. It's never gone. It's low sometimes. I have to dig for it a little bit. But it's there. Because God's Holy Spirit is in you. You have such a relationship with God, each of you, that none of us has yet fully explored. Ask the Holy Spirit, given to you in baptism and confirmation. Ask the Holy Spirit, reveal the Father to me. Show me my Father. Show me my Savior and my Lord and my Redeemer. 
show me the one who loves me. And God will do that. And then as Father Larry said last night, listen. God, I want you to do this. God, reveal yourself to me this way. God, take care of this. God, God knows all that. Let him, let him deal with you as he wants to, and there's not one of you excluded, not one who's outside a deeper, ever deeper relationship with God that God has for you, every one of you, without exception. No matter what you've done in your life, no matter how far you've strayed, no matter how close you've tried to be with the Lord, no matter all your prayers, he's there. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Different days you will come to him asking him for help in different ways according to your relationship with him. But God the Father loves you. He gave his son to die for you, who gladly died for you. And it cost him everything. And because he went, he could send us his spirit so that we would never be orphaned. We would never be alone. When you come to pray, ask the Holy Spirit, teach me how to grow in my relationship with God. When I come back, I'll say something else about praying for others. That's a whole thing. Oftentimes, our whole prayer is praying for others. That's not the key of prayer. The key is your relationship with God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then he'll teach you how to pray for others. And I'll say something about that in a little while. Uh, The books that I have, there are books on prayer, books on intercession, there are CDs on suffering, how to, how to get through this time of suffering and the meaning of suffering. I also have a CD back there on examination of conscience that has sold a few thousand. I think uh, people are looking for help. So if that's an area that you're interested in, it's called Be Generous with God. But it's an examination of conscience. So those are back there for you. We'll take a break. I think we take a break. And then... Father Larry's going to speak to you, and then I'll be back. We hope that you've enjoyed this production of Living Bread Radio Presents. For a copy of this program on Compact Disc, call 330-966-2903 or send an email to orders at livingbreadradio.com and reference the program broadcast date. This has been a production of Living Bread Radio in Canton, Ohio. Join us again next week at the same time for more Living Bread Radio Presents.